I'm going to start talking to myself right now because as soon as someone connects, it starts to record and it sounds weird otherwise. Uh, uh, okay, boom, doom, we're here. Is everyone here? Beautiful singing. Thank you. You're welcome. Ding. So we're, we're good all to go. good? We're good to go. We're good. Excellent. So let's get started. Hello, everyone. This is the Work in Progress podcast. We are four creative friends talking about creative things. Um, we each come from a different writing background and have different sort of career trajectories, which gives each of us a unique perspective on this crazy thing called writing. Um, in this episode, we're going to talk about building a character from the ground up, which for me, at least, means we're going to end up segueing into how much fun it is to hurt our characters. So oh <laughs> <laughs> let's do a quick introduction of ourselves. I'm Athena Wright, and I'm from Toronto, Canada. I'm a hybrid self-published author. I write contemporary new adult romance about cocky rock stars and the fangirls who tame their wild hearts. And I'll be the one hosting our discussion this week. So next we have Brianna. Hi, I'm Brianna from Montana, and... <laughs> oh my god, I never... Sorry. Yes. <laughs> I'm not over it. <laughs> um, I write lesbian fiction, mostly, um, of the new adult and young adult variety. I have a published uh, indie trad published book off pitch. Uh, you can see our... Listen to our last episode for that whole spiel um and i'm also working on a draft on wattpad of my young adult sci-fi series and ray okay hey i am ray uh i am in the pacific northwest and i'm an aspiring author and also a doodle artist <laughs> uh, i'm currently working on a novel about witchy girls covens angst in so many gays so many gays. <laughs> so many gays. Every, everything I have is gay. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, God. And my name is uh, Maggie Derrick. I am the last of uh, the crew here. I am an artist and a web-based published author. Uh, I write uh, mostly queer fantasy. And you can find me on Wattpad. Mm -hmm. it's, oh, as Star Powered. I don't think I mentioned that last week. But I go like by Maggie Derrick and also Star Powered, so have fun finding me. <laughs> That's all. Good job. Thanks. Good intro, everyone. <laughs> There's that cat again. With Sorry. Okay. I'm. Oh God. All Poor right. Kitten. I'm gonna. She's fine. Okay. I'm just gonna open the door. Apologies to listeners. My cat is an asshole. She's mad at me right now because we changed her food. She doesn't like the new stuff, and she thinks that because I'm in her room, aka the office. I can offer her something better, which I can't, so. <laughs> oh, yes, well, one last intro thing. There will be strong language, oh, Maggie. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> so if that's not your thing, feel free to plug your ears. <laughs> womp womp. I am going to make a quick disclaimer as well. Not necessarily for the listeners so much as the four, the, well, I guess the three of you because I'm one of four. I also have all four animals in the room with me currently. And right now they're sleeping. Oh, but you never know. There may be chaos in the future. <laughs> there Mostly to my attention, and also a dog who probably wants another Kong. But we're not going to handle that right now because they're all sleeping. So, <laughs> okay. Sorry. So, <clears throat> are the animals taken care of? Yeah, we're okay. <laughs> oh, 
Poor kittens. Oh, she's fine. Don't, <laughs> don't <laughs> encourage her. <laughs> That's our job. As ants, we must. Yeah, I know. Okay, so let us start talking about characters. So um, basically, we can talk about how does each one of us come up with a character and what is the same about our processes and what is different. Um, I suppose I can go first. I'm a little different. Um, I write romance, which means every book has the main heroine and the main hero. So you have that love pairing, those two characters who have to connect and interact with each other. But I also write about rock bands, which means there's the family dynamic. Each character in the band, each each rock band member gets his own book. So the four or five band members really are just as important as each of the romantic pairings. They have to be distinct. They have to have their own personalities. They have to stand out as characters. They can't all just blend into one. So for me, I usually come up with the band first and then... In my mind, I start thinking, okay, which type of girl would be a great pairing for the drummer or a great pairing for the lead singer? So, um, yes, that's kind of how I do it. I think up the band's band members, and usually I just have a, the tiniest of an idea. I'll think, okay, so I have an idea for a lead singer, and I'll start with a teeny idea. So, you know, he's a lead singer and what's his, his damage? What, what's his problem? <laughs> you know, I always want their damage or their, you know, emotional wounds or their angsty past. What is that in, internal thing, that internal hurt that defines them? And I love coming up with angsty pasts and traumatic, traumatic things. So um, usually I try to do sometimes more um, real issues, I guess. Um, some of my, I guess, spoiler alert, some of my books deal with things like um, drug addiction or self-harm or, you know, like abuse from, from parents from childhood, um, things like that. Um, I guess because I write about rock stars, they're kind of dysfunctional anyway in the first place. So I usually come up with a dysfunction and then wrap the character around that and say, how would that angsty past affect the person they are now and how would that personality interact with the hero the heroine and how would that impact their relationship and how would that impact the way they get to their happily ever after so that's me i hurt them <laughs> <laughs> I would, so i feel like i feel like i'm answer or asking uh, a question that is obvious in its answer but i feel like we just may as well just talk it out loud do you find that um, the way that you're coming up with your characters is formulaic based on the genre? A little bit, because there are certain sort of tropes or certain sort of um, plot lines that people love to see. So there's the enemies to lovers, you know, mm -hmm. idea, right? So you're going to have a character who's a little bit more maybe, you know, like either, either he's like a cocky asshole and she is having none of it. <laughs> Or he's maybe a little bit, you know, closed off and pushes people away. So though you, you have those kind of tropes. And then you have, um, for example, you know, the best friend's little sister. So, you know, 
Oh no! Yeah, so like Not that little. <laughs> well, no, like it's kind of- <laughs> no. I got it. I got it. I got it. See, <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh no, it's not because of that. It's because, damn it, I'm into all of this. Oh, okay. yeah. So you know, like he's usually the cocky playboy. He sleeps around, and his best friend has a little sister. And the best, the, the conflict comes because the best friend, you know, like he's my brother, dude. You know, I love him, but if you touch my little sister, you are dead. So you have that kind of dynamic where he's the bad guy you wouldn't want your little sister to fall in love with. Obviously, he has a heart of gold and he's a sweet guy underneath, but that's what you have to discover throughout the book. So, yes, I feel like there are certain conventions and certain tropes that help color what my idea of their angsty past will be. Like, why is he, you know, so much of a playboy? Why does he not make emotional connections to people? Why is everything always so you know, one night stand, does he not know how to have a real relationship? And why is that? So. Interesting. This is, I'm, I feel like I'm going to spend a lot of this topic kind of hanging back and listening to you guys. Cause I don't know how to answer this question. Mm-hmm. I don't, I like when I was, when I was reading the topic for this episode and it was like, how do you come up with your characters? I was like, fuck, <laughs> I don't know. Because like, admittedly, and as like a recap, I, I'm working on like primarily one series, right? It's the uh, the Starborn series, and um, what I think I've, I think is commonly known is that the story and the majority of the characters I have known in my brain for the better part of 20 years. So I, I couldn't tell you. Like I feel like where the I'm trying to think like where did they come from? And for people who've been reading along um, and you're familiar with a a lot of the characters who were there in the beginning are the ones who are actually getting introduced in the second book. And that's wind. Um, So you've got Jeremy Connor. Boo. uh, Oh my God. (laughs) I feel, Oh God, I've got so many things to say about the way people are reacting. Cause I'm just like, ah, I was book. Cause I've been living with this for so long. And that's the thing. Like, it's so hard for me to figure out where some of this started. Um, (laughs) Priva and uh, Rue, not so much. Um, Rue's been around long enough that when the Hunger Games came out and there was a character named Rue in it, I was like, for fuck's sake. (laughs) (laughs) I I hadn't gotten there yet. And I was like, God damn it, everyone's going to think I got that name from her. And I didn't, but it doesn't matter. It's neither here nor there. They're both wonderful in their own rights. Um, but they've been around for so long uh, that I have a hard time telling you where they came from and their stories have been such a part of, like, just kind of almost how I entertained myself as a reclusive tween into teenager. Um, I really spent a lot of time in this world. And, but the story itself didn't really come together in the way that I'm writing it now. And even M, like M wasn't M, she was Audrey. Like in the, I don't know how common knowledge this is, but the story in his original conception wasn't, (laughs) fuck my life. Yeah. So (laughs) do you know what's really interesting, Maggie? It's so interesting because I remember, because me and Maggie have known each other since, grade nine so that's a very long time more than half our lives and I specifically remember I think we were in your car driving somewhere and you were talking we were talking about our ideas and you were saying I've had this idea in my head for this story but it's so big and I just don't think I'm able or ready to tell it it was just the world and the story and the plot and the characters were just so important to you and so big and you had this whole world built up and you were like I just can't do it justice yeah, 
yeah, I, rem I remember that drive so clearly and I'm glad you do too. Because we were like talk young, young ladies talking about wanting to be writers. And now look at us. Aw. We're come so far. Um, yeah. But that was my problem is I was like, fuck, I don't know how to do this. And so it wasn't until, um, and I think you, you kind of said something good. Like I just didn't know how to do it justice. And um, it wasn't until years later that uh, May came along and she changed everything. Like, and it's weird to think now and people have a hard time to like, what? Because she's the main narrative character in the story now. Um, but she wasn't in the original conception. But her coming along was the tipping point that I needed to really pull this whole thing together. Um, and I suppose with that said, I feel like I'm talking myself through the answer now. Um, when I think about May, um, she was really born from me coming out in my late twenties as bisexual and really coming to understand who I was as a person and things clicking for me. Um, and then realizing that this is, this was the big, huge gaping missing piece that I had been, didn't even realize I needed because I was so in the closet for so long. Um, and then like I came out and May came with me is sort of how it happened. And she's like, ta-da, bitch, put me in the story. Except she would never say that because she's <laughs> such a sweetheart. Uh, <laughs> that's more M's like, yes. Um, so, and so now I'm thinking, I'm trying to think of like the manuscript, the unpublished manuscript I have, um, the witch's patron, like where did they come from? Um, yeah, that's what I wanted to ask you, because that one and then the you just said that you were writing a short story for that one anthology. And I want to know where you're coming up with those characters, uh, yeah. because, like, obviously, I understand having the, the big, you know, like, epic story and always having those characters with you. But then, you you know, there's other stuff that you're working mm -hmm. on, too. So sure. Um, yeah. And so I guess I just I feel bad. I feel like I neglect those other characters. But when I think about The Witch's Patron, um, The Witch's Patron is actually kind of a spinoff, I suppose, of a short story that you can read right now on, on Wattpad called The Witch's Luck. And that was something I had written for a contest. Um, this illustrator who I think he works with Disney in some capacity. Um, I want, I'm going to get his name wrong. Brian Kissinger, I think, is his name or Kissinger or something like that. He had worked with Wattpad for a fantasy contest where he had done an illustration and that was it. And it was this uh, young woman with paintbrushes and this kind of steampunk vibe, sort of looking, leaning over her parchments. And she's got this like adorable little dragon dude floating above her. And um, the idea was like, who is she? What's her story? Write it down in 2000 words or less. So that was where Kaiza was born. Um but for, and this is something that like, I always struggle with is just like every, every story ends up having this romantic element, which isn't really necessarily what I thought I was going for, but it happens. And Can so I, ask I ended Maggie, up. Pronounce her huh? name again. Kaiza. That is not how it's pronounced in my head. And I've realized I had never heard it out loud. How, how, well, you probably are. Kaiza. Kaiza. How? Kaiza. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Oh, how is it spelled? Uh, I don't remember. Are you kidding me? K-E-I? Yeah. S-Z-A? This is why mm -hmm. I like writing contemporary, because Jen is Jen. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> um, there is I'm no mistaking that. Super honest. I lifted her name from a Canadian singer. Really? Um, Amazing. 
you've you've I guarantee you've all heard her music before. So before anyone's just like, that's not how that name's pronounced, I'll be like, yeah, sure, I I agree with you, except for that's how she spells it and pronounces it. So I don't know what to tell you. Um, <laughs> I just thought it was a cool name. Okay, um, I don't know what to tell you. So for her, she came from a very specific place. Here's an illustration. Come up with a story for her. It's her narr. It's the narrative character of the story, and I feel like this is how I write things. Is it's like the fascinating uh, magical character is always secondary and it's being, they're being experienced through like a mortal person. Um, and that would be her counterpart is Nori who uh, she was just kind of, I feel like she was almost born of need initially, but then I just kind of like, I was like, what would be the perfect contrast to Kaiza? And that's where Nori came from. And I love her. I find that happens much. to me a lot. I come up with the one character and then the secondary one is like, how would, what do they need to bring out yeah. the best and worst in them? What is their, their foil? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's like a really perfect way of describing it because for this other story that I've written for the anthology, like I'm still like, I've only written a super rough first draft and I want to go back and really get a sense of who they are because I just had two, not even character types. Like I had a witch and a mermaid and I was like, make it happen. Mm. so I'm ow, so, ow. yeah I'm not even sure I'm finished. <laughs> I don't even know if I'm finished like <laughs> fleshing them out yet so I'll get back to you on that one so yeah I don't really know if that's a solid answer but that's just kind of been my weird but I will say this I always come up with the character before the story same yeah that's my I don't know if that's much of a process but I always it's like I remember uh, JK Rowling talking about Harry Potter back in the day. And she talks about how Harry uh, sauntered into her mind fully formed. And before the story was ever a thing, she knew Harry first. And I'm like, I get, I feel you girl. That's how it always is for me too. So I was really, I was really relieved as a teenager to be like, Oh, good. (laughs) I'm glad that's (laughs) like other people do that too. So, yeah. So not much of a process. I don't know how helpful that'll be, but Yeah. That that's me. Super weird to me because I'm really bad at characters. Um, I disagree respectfully. Oh, <laughs> I feel like I'm very like I don't have a good handle of how building characters works. Like I'm just not very good at making people. I don't really picture them in my mind when I'm writing, um, for the most part, because that's just not a thing that I do. So my characters are usually very. They're developed by the plot, especially my side characters. Like I do my best not to put a side character into my book unless they need to be there to make something happen. Um, so yeah, and especially the thing I'm working on right now, rewriting Unbecoming Humans, my uh, young adult sci-fi thing. Uh, it's like, I have all these characters that I wrote into the first draft of the book and now I'm like, I don't even know if I need all of these characters. Like, I can allude to them being there, but most of them are, like, things or people that just didn't really matter to the story. So I'm just kind of like, meh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I do really like side characters a lot, and I think that comes out in my writing. Like, I just, 
love side characters. I think they're so much more fun than main characters. <laughs> See, this is why I love writing romance because the trope is always you have a group of characters, either they're band members or they're friends or they're family members or they work together. There's always a group and the main couple gets book one. Then you switch to a side character and that side character gets to be book two because I always thought side characters were the most fun. It, like, because I used to write fan fiction and I always wrote it about the side characters they seemed more interesting than the main characters and for almost all pieces of media for me that's always been the case so now I get to write book one and have all these great side characters and I get to write their story next which for me is just the best yes yes uh, yes side characters and I'm kind of so uh spoiler alert not really um <laughs> so the sequel to off pitch, um, which I have not started writing yet. I'm planning to uh, give Jessica a little bit more yes. um, heart in the storm. <laughs> yeah, so, I love Jessica. Um, yeah, as I was writing, I fell in love with Jessica. And then as people were reading it, they also fell in love with Jessica. She is a firecracker and she's a delight. Um, so, I mean, Adeline and Gabby are still going to be the main characters, but Jessica's definitely going to have a big part just because she wound up being such an important part of the first book. Um, so I'm excited to give her a little bit of story. Um, yeah, but I really love, I just love side characters and main characters like, uh, I don't know. I don't, I come up with my story before my characters or like for off pitch when I decided to write it, I was like, I want there to be more soccer lesbians in the world. So I decided to write a soccer lesbian book. Um, That's legit. <laughs> so that was, and then I just kind of built up from there. So I didn't build from characters. I built from, I don't know, broad idea of soccer lesbians. See, and that's so fascinating to me. And that's why I fucking love this thing that we've come up with, because I see this happen on Twitter all the time where someone will like tweet out, I need blank like just some vague concepts, some weird mishmash of ideas. And then all these people will be like, fuck, yes, me too. And people fall in, fall in love with the concept or the idea. And I'm sitting there reading it like, oh, mm. and I have, I can't bring myself to get emotionally invested in the idea, no matter how sound, cool it sounds. Cause I would much rather, and I actually backtrack, not much rather. I need to know that I've got a compelling character to follow before I can find myself caring about the idea. And I always thought it was weird because I watch all, all these people on Twitter who almost seem to do the other, the other way around. Like, like with you, Brie, where you're like, I need soccer lesbians. I'm going to make it happen. <laughs> and I'm kind of like, I, I don't know if I can do that. And that's why it took me a long time. I really struggled with this anthology story. Cause it was like, you know, we had um, the anthology that I keep talking about is one that I, Brie, I know you've written something for it too. I don't know if uh, anyone else has, but this is from, um, there's someone on uh, Twitter named Gavin. And uh, if you want to follow them, uh, he goes by at the writing J, just the letter J. Um, really brilliant, uh, great author, but also really good at editing, has put together a number of uh, short story anthologies. And so this one, the theme is, it's called Love and Bubbles, and it's supposed to be uh, Romance and Under the Water, I think is the idea. Mm-hmm. If I remember correctly, I should know this if I can roast something. More. <laughs> um, but I was like, okay, this is going to be hard, but I want to do it. And it took me a long time to really sink into it. Cause I was like, I gotta, 
I got to make these characters matter to me before I can really enjoy the story. So I feel like I almost envy people like you who can be like, here's my, here's my overarching concept and then drill down. I think it's really interesting that everybody seems to be really black and white because I'm honestly like, I'm not, I, depending on the situation, my characters come from different places and like, I, I just think it's really interesting listening to everybody be like, yes, I either, you know, go for the concept first, or I need the characters first, or, like, in Athena's situation, like, I need to find, a, like, a reason for this character to, like, to be this way, sort of thing. And, like, I don't know, I feel like I've had all of those situations happen to me, while at the same time, like, I also know that I have a very specific way that I also prefer to, like, create characters, so that's just, I don't know, that's really, that's a really interesting, like, thing that we've discovered. <laughs> yeah, and I'm kind of with you on that, like, I do like to do concept first, but um, my characters just kind of happen whatever way they happen, um, because I don't have a very good handle on developing characters, and I'm a planter uh, on the pantsing side of things, meaning I don't plan things very much at all. Um, I try it, and I don't really like it. <laughs> <laughs> um but it is, I don't know, it's more efficient. Planning is more efficient writing, but um, pantsing is more fun to me. So uh, that's what <laughs> we go for. But yeah, so my characters just kind of happen and I don't know what they're going to be until they pop up and they're like, oh, hey, I'm so-and-so, blah, blah, blah. That's fair. <laughs> that's, and this was cool. I think this was cool about this podcast being for people because we have four completely different ways of tackling this. Which is awesome. I don't know, like, it, it is awesome. It's really cool, because it's giving, it gives us all, you know, different ideas, because I can't imagine how many times we all get stuck in this situation, too. But, like, I don't know, I feel like I have a few characters, and I'm gonna kind of jump back to what Maggie was saying earlier when she was on her um, M and May discovery part of the talk, but one thing that you said that I really love is that you didn't know how to do the characters justice, and that's kind of where I am with a few of the stories that I've been working on for literally years. I just kind of realized that I couldn't do them justice. And they were characters that popped up in my head, basically fully formed. Like I knew who they were from the get go. Um, and one of them has actually like over the course of time and over the course of like, I think, uh, I think I'm down to like the fourth draft of this one, one story that I've shelved for the time being, but like, one character has consistently changed in every single draft. And I just find it really interesting because originally he did pop into my head fully formed. I knew exactly who he was. And then I realized every single time I go back and rewrite the story, he's not serving the story in the way that I want him to be. And mm. yeah, it's, I don't know. I'm still kind of stuck on him. <laughs> but I had the exact that. same problem. You know what it's I think so it weird. is at the risk of like, I feel like I'm dominating this a little bit, but I'm, I, this really reminds me of um, there's this author, Tess Sharp, and she wrote. Oh, I love her. Yeah, she wrote a beautiful book called Far From You that broke me. But um, she was talking about the book that she's, she just submitted for publication called Barbed Wire Heart. She's had in her head for like, a, I think, at least a decade, probably more. Um, and I was like hanging on every tweet she made about this because I was like, yes, yes, I feel you. Because what she was saying was 
she had the story. She knew what she wanted to do with it, but she just wasn't ready. And it's amazing to see how many authors are in the same spot where they're just like, yep, I know, I feel like I've got it. And yet I don't. And, Uh and then she said, like, it took me having different experiences that, and if you, I think if you think about like a story as a puzzle, for me, it was like, you know, I came out and then May came with me and that big missing piece clicked. Um, yeah. But there's also a lot of things, like if you read The Star in the Ocean and um, Athena pointed, would always kind of jokingly point these things out as we were as we were going through. Because if you know my life, you can really see the obvious influences. Um, oh, yeah. You can see my like obsession and love with Hawaii in, in May and where she's come from. Um, but like the whole thing about Tenna and the search and rescue crew, you know, I spent two years living in the Rocky mountains and living that world. And that was hugely inspired by that. And, um, just kind of things that have happened with my family and, um, me growing up and becoming comfortable with who I am because M and her history was a lot of just like, there was a lot of rage in her past that we haven't seen yet, but we will. And that's like, I think what's been really helpful with M is that like you can you can see my angsty teenage years when you go back and look at her history in a linear sort of way, um, and then you see that kind of self acceptance and learning how to just be cool with who you are. Um, so I think there's a lot to be said for like you've created or you have met this character, but you haven't you haven't gotten there personally, and you're not gonna be able to write them. I think mm-hmm. this is just my thought. Not gonna be able to write them or do them justice until you have had whatever experiences are necessary for you to really be able to understand them and where they're coming from. And that doesn't mean like you have to become an alcoholic to write an alcoholic character. <laughs> like I think about all the the crazy shit that Athena's characters have been through, and uh, I'm gonna tell you right now, like Athena's lived an amazing life, but she hasn't <laughs> been down these rabbit holes. <laughs> you don't have to be uh... your character, but you gotta like. You need the perspectives to do it justice because it's, you know, um, this like is why read... I write about fangirls because basically Cause, every single yeah. female character is just a piece of me. I, I get their feel. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think that's it's like there's a piece of everyone poured into their work. But you think about um, think about the stuff that you wrote with the exception of Brianna. Think about the stuff you wrote when you were younger. And um, but think about the topics you tried to like, let's be real, the topics you tried to handle in your fan fiction or your RPs or your original stories and think about like how naive you were because you had no fucking clue. You didn't even know that you had no fucking clue. It's like my stepdad likes to say, you don't know that you don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, But once you know, it clicks. You know, you know. Yeah. And you're like, oh shit, that's what's been missing this whole time. Um, So I think to kind of, um, sum it all up Ray for you I think you've done what you've done in shelving this story that means so much to you and that you've worked on for so long uh is really mature and really smart because you're recognizing that like I'm just not there yet and but you will be mm-hmm. eventually you're gonna well, get there I think I know kind of where my problem is and it actually happened by listening to another podcast nice. <laughs> weirdly enough um it was the podcast that Sarah Enny does the first draft pod if mm-hmm. any of you guys have listened to that one, it was the episode with um, Adam Silvera and actually talked to me like I was already super pumped about they both die at the end. But then the day that I listened to that podcast, I like right after work went and bought the book <laughs> because I was like, 
oh, holy shit, this is everything I need. And, like, this guy knows what he's talking about. Um, because he mentioned that he has another book that's very similar in the veins of it was just too big, there was too much. And he was the one that kind of, like, gave me the idea to shelve it. And that same day, I also – that was the same day I had the the plot for Witch Girl. Like, that, that day, like, I've never had a plot happen like this before where I just sat down and within the hour I had – from beginning to end, I had the characters, everything. It was, like, fucking magical, I swear to God. <laughs> um, How fitting. I know, right? <laughs> um, which is why I'm, like, so dead set on this fucking book. I'm, like, I feel it. I feel, like, this one feels like the one. Whatever whatever it is, this is a book I need right now. And I have this, like, I'm, I'm about to get really, like, deep. So sorry, guys. <laughs> feel <No>. free. <laughs> Thank you. So... Basically, I have this one thing that I'm really, really, really hooked on in, like, not even books, but just, like, in, the, in my writing. And I see it in everything that I do, and I know that it's a thing that I need to get through. Um, so uh, it, it's not, like, not common knowledge, but I don't, like, hide it. So my mom died when I was 10, and I know that's a thing that, like, I've always wanted to unpack in my writing. And I, like, I feel it. And that's part of the reason why this original book that I was just talking about, the shelved one, um, is such a big thing for me because the main character, her mom isn't there and she kind of turns into um, like this elusive thing that she has to like kind of solve the mystery just to be very, very, very like, I don't know, low key visual of it. Um, But she kind of has to solve this mystery of like her mom may or may not actually be alive and she doesn't know this thing. And yeah, (laughs) because it's total wish fulfillment. Um, And then on top of that, this witch girl story is kind of the exact opposite sort of wish fulfillment because she has a loving mother. She's there and very present. She has, um, she lives with her aunts, which my mom also came from a like very big family. I have four aunts on her side um, and one uncle but whatever. And so like this, it's very wish fulfillmenty, but in a completely different way where this is a 17 year old girl who did have a support system and who had all of this stuff that I didn't have growing up. And I like really, really, really want to unpack that shit going in with these characters. And I feel like that's kind of where I am at this point. Like I need to experience the exact opposite of this in order to like go through with the other story. If that makes any sense whatsoever. Mm-hmm. yeah it yeah. does and it sounds like I, I don't even I don't even know like how do I how do you know how to reply to that but it just sounds so it sounds like I, I think, catharsis it does sound like yeah right, it sounds like right. catharsis and I think it sounds like what a lot of people um you know every not everyone I don't fucking know what everyone's thinking but I think a lot of people when they they get to writing they want to write the book right they want to write like that one epic story that's going to fucking change everything, whether it does or not, but that one really powerful story. Um, And, you know, some of us never ever do it or never will. Um, Some of us never get there. Uh, Some of us don't give a shit and that's okay too. Um, But I feel like, like that's your, that's yours. Right. And you're, you'll get, you'll get there when you're ready to get there. And that'll be totally, that'll be totally fine. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I firmly believe in writing for yourself. Like I get, yes, writing for a reader, et cetera. But like, first and foremost, the characters are going to be for me. The characters are going to have little parts of me in them. The story is going to be from me. And I firmly believe in writing for yourself first. 
And that's kind of what I'm doing because these are the, the same idea is that I needed these stories and these characters when I was growing up and I didn't have them. And I want to make that act like accessible to other people mm-hmm. who do need them. And like, if, if I needed this story, I know a handful of other people just that I grew up with who also lost their parents when they were in the middle of their formative years and that sort of shit. And this could have like, if we had had books like the the one that's in my head, I don't want to say that mine is because obviously like I haven't even finished writing it yet. But like if we'd had books along the lines of what's in my head, like there would have been so many easier ways to like at least not feel so alone, I guess. Mm-hmm. And like that's a big thing for me is that like that's that's why I love characters so much is that they make you not feel so alone a lot of the time. Making like, that sounds exactly like like yours. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I that was that was a huge part of like what made me want to start writing too is I was like I was so mad I was so mad when I came out because I was like I can't believe I didn't fucking put two and two together earlier and I feel like I was I felt robbed of yeah. years of my life because I just didn't know I didn't appreciate and didn't accept who I was and and I thought if I had more stories like this maybe I would have come to terms with that a lot earlier and so it was the same yeah. thing like I I I really could have used a story like this growing up. Um, and so, yeah, write what, write the story you wish you had had access to write the story that matters to you. And then, and then, so this is when I started writing the start in the ocean, it was so self-indulgent. I was like, I need to write this. I got to get this out. Um, whether or not anyone ever likes it back, eh, I don't even fucking care. Like I just need to do it. Um, but people have kind of come out of the woodwork and, and I don't see, you don't see, you don't make the comments publicly, which is fine because it's very personal, but I've had so many people reach out to me um, and say, thank you for the, for things I never expected people to be grateful for. Um, I've had people say like, I, I really appreciate the, um, well, actually I, I'm glad to see people picked up on this, but like, I'm really grateful that you put in um a healthy romance. Like I'm really, really glad that these two characters have a healthy relationship and that th- when they fight, they fight They're like their arguments are, are justified. They're not like blown up for no good reason. They, that they're loving and supportive and that you don't have to create tension by, by creating like a toxic relationship. And I was like, thank you. I've had people um, talk about consent and how they appreciate how that subject is handled. Um, but right into things like, and this is going to sound really weird, but everyone needs to see themselves. And I actually had someone reach out to me one day and send me a huge message because they were just so happy to finally see a flat chested female character. Mm-hmm. And so this is like, it's, this is a big part of like May. May is a very like willowy small build. She's very self-conscious about the fact that she doesn't feel like she looks very uh, womanly. She does not have big boobs. She is card-carrying member of the itty-bitty-titty committee, and someone reached out and was like, thanks for making that, you know, a part of who she is, because, like, that's me, and I never see, I always see, like, these busty characters, or at least they've got something, and I'm flat as a board, and I was like, oh, like, like the cutest thing, like, all of the things that they could have been, like, thank you for putting in, like, that is so sweet, because you don't think about that, like, on that note, I actually want to, like, I, I she'll probably never listen but like props to Michelle Osgood because I was obviously super obsessed with her werewolf books just like what two weeks ago 
still obsessed, still in love with it. <laughs> and I have to say, sorry, I'm not over them. <laughs> and um, like, I, I don't know if it's Dina or Deanna. I've been saying Dina in my head, but the main character in the first book is chubby. Like they describe her as chubby. And like, there's some fucking good sex scenes in that, in like that series. And in the first like first book there are sex scenes with her and Jamie who is described as a very lithe like muscular woman and like I just it's one of those things where you don't see shit like that all the time you never see especially with like lesbian fiction you're never going to see shit where it's you know a chubby girl with a really hot woman and like it was just so refreshing to see that on the page and have it a totally normalized and it wasn't a thing it wasn't even a fucking thing I honestly like didn't even realize how refreshing it was until I was reading another like bit of uh, like lesfic where the characters were both super hot, like model-esque, you know, lesbians. And it just occurred to me like, oh my God, that was so refreshing and so nice to see because how often do I see that? And I need that. I'm a chubby lesbian and my girlfriend is like the skinniest fucking sick I've ever seen. And she's beautiful and amazing, but like there's some self like confidence issues there. And just to see that in a book just made me feel so much better. So I, I totally get where that person is coming from. Yeah. I love it. And it's not, you know, the end all be all of representation. It's not, you know, the most important thing in the world to me, but I think it is still important. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm off my soapbox. I just really needed to like send props to no. Michelle because she's fucking amazing. No, no I love this. It's legit. I feel like each of us each of us wants to see something in fiction and that's kind of why we write. You know, we have we aren't getting what we need and so we want to put it out there. I feel like every writer has some sort of some sort of thing like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Perhaps whether they realize it or not. Because I it's not exactly write what you know, but there's a reason something pops into your head. You're not going to a character or a plot won't come to your head for no reason, I feel. I feel like your subconscious brain knows what it's doing, you know? Yeah. yeah. No, that's a great point. It makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. oh, fuck. I can't remember what I was going to say. It's gone. <laughs> it's gone. It's gone. We, it's gone. Do we want to talk about uh, killing our darlings a little bit? Yes. Yes. Can we? Ooh, can we talk about hurting them? <laughs> Yeah, you guys can talk about it, and I'll just sit over here and cringe, because I'm, like, I feel like the only writer in the world who doesn't like to kill her darlings. Well, no, (laughs) not, you know, I don't kill my characters because I write romance. Although, do you know what? I did write this one paranormal shifter series, and by the end of the- by th- I did by the end of the book. I need that. Yeah, it's, very, <laughs> Sorry. it's very dark romance, actually, because I know the oh, whole fuck yeah. The whole point of shifter romance <laughs> is that they're one true mates and they're made for each other, and you know it's true love and it's destiny and that's it's so fate and it's biology. And I think that's the creepiest fucking thing in the universe. <laughs> it's so fucking funny though, <laughs> because. So I didn't really get why people read shifter romance. So I wrote a dark shifter romance and everybody was like, what? Because to me, I thought it was creepy. Like, let's say Mm -hmm. in real life, you know, I have my boyfriend and I love him so much and we're perfect for each other and we're going to get married and grow old together. And then someday some guy comes up and he says, hey, you're my mate. You have to leave your boyfriend and come be with me because destiny says so. Um... 
no, <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. And so I wrote the story that I sort of thought was, was good was, you know, she had the one mate who was her destined mate, but then she had the guy she actually fell in love with. And because my motto is why a girl got to choose, it's the 21st century, I turned it into a menage. Yay. Add a girl. Obviously. Yes. Um, but to come back to the whole, you know, kill your darlings, by the end of the series, I wanted carnage. Like, there was a big <laughs> showdown, and... <laughs> Oh, Caleb was going to die saving his twin and Nathaniel was going to lose an eye and Celeste was just going to like be dead. She, they were just going to completely kill her. But because it was a paranormal romance, I was constrained by the genre and you cannot kill characters. So if I had written an urban fantasy, oh, bloodshed. So I feel oh, like... As, we need to talk about that at some point as for the record. As, because... Yes. As much as you love to kill your darlings and as much as you love to coddle your darlings, I feel like you're really constrained by genre and reader mm. expectations. So you can't mm. just do what you want. As, as fun as it would be. <laughs> I'm going to disagree to some extent because I'm, I'm going to pull the, whole, the same line that I did earlier. I want you to write what you want to read. And I could give less than two fucks about the genre. I do think, like, there are certain genres, like, it, in romance specifically. Like, people go into that expecting happy, you know, happily ever afters, etc. And especially if you're writing it in this very specific, like, way. And you are, like, just an example, Athena, I think that you're doing it perfectly. Like, yes, you are delivering exactly what the readers want. Because that's the specific, like, specific genre you're looking into. But I also think that there's still room for adjustment and room for other stories within that, like, little bubble, if that makes sense. And so especially when you're looking at, like, paranormal fantasy or paranormal romance and shit like that, like, I, I would have been so down for all that carnage. That would have made my heart sing. Like, <laughs> that, that's what I want. I hate stories where, especially when you're, when you have a paranormal, like, romance shit like that, if you go into it knowing that, like, this is what it is, I want there to be consequences. I need there to be consequences. When I don't get those consequences at the end of the book, I feel like that's a really lackluster ending. And I would be disappointed. So, I, I don't know, maybe that's, that might just be the writer part of me, and I'm not looking at it as a reader standpoint, mm -hmm. but, like, I don't know, that's, that's how I like to read. Even if you were breaking my heart and you were killing my fucking favorite character, which I, I always love the character that dies, so, like, I, I'm prepared for it. Like, I, I want you to do that if it's true to the story. So, count, oh, sorry, oh. you go ahead. <laughs> Counter uh, to that, because I was excited about uh, the killing your darlings discussion, because I did kill my darling, uh, literally. Um, so when I was did you writing, kill your wife? what? I was asking if you killed your wife because <laughs> oh, you no, said I you killed your darling. I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't kill my wife. She's still alive. Um, as far okay, as good. <laughs> um, <laughs> Suddenly, it's a murder podcast. <laughs> dun, dun, this is dun. what Maggie planned from the beginning. <laughs> mm, Your nefarious fucking... scheme. <laughs> love my murder podcast. Yes. <laughs> um. What? All right. Killing my. Okay. So I was writing on Becoming Humans. And when I started writing it, I was not on Twitter. And I was not yet particularly woke. Um, I was less woker. Making that <laughs> still kind of asleep. 
a little groggy. Let's go because, yes. <laughs> whatever. Um, and then I did kill, uh, spoiler alert, in Unbecoming Humans, I kind of killed the main character. Kind of. I say oh, kind shit, of. Goddamn. Because, you pulled um, a Ned Stark Game of Thrones. Yeah. Oh, shit, yeah. Um, but she's a lesbian. And at that, when I was writing that and getting into Twitter kind of all around the same time, um, the conversation was very, um, loud about not killing the queers because everybody kills the queers just for the story. And it's really like literally killing the real queers. Um, and also Uh making more sad queer hearts and stuff. Um, so I did kill my darling and I don't know, like, I feel like I really needed to do it for me. It was very, a very, very emotional scene for me to write. I cried through the, through the whole thing while I was writing it. Um, but I know like talking to a lot of my readers on Wattpad that they were pretty upset that I did it. Um, well not, nobody actually like came out and was like, oh, this is horrible, don't do this. But I kind of, like, poked into some conversations and was like, is it okay that I did this? Would you rather I didn't? Because, I mean, I don't want people to dictate what I'm writing, but I also am very sensitive to that killing your queers conversation um, and also being in that situation myself and being sick of people killing the queers all the time. I was like, as much as I love this thing that I did, maybe I need to not do this. Um, well, and I think, so I, I, you know, we're, we're in the same boat. We all, uh-huh. yeah, <laughs> but I think one, two things, two things, not just one. When it comes to, uh, the bury the gays, killing the queers conversation, um, I feel like there's two, two important things to keep in mind. One is it own voices. And I'm not saying that, you know, uh, straight authors can't write queer characters, um, but it's a, it's a totally, di- you're coming at it from a completely different perspective. If a straight woman had been writing your story and then killed off that character there, um, it would have been so different. It would have been complete okay. and not just, I don't mean like, um, the perception would have been different. She would have had a completely different experience and I, and perception of what it even means to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you've, you've clearly, you would have treated your character very differently, um, just, be, just by virtue of, you know, there being that personal experience of being a queer person in real life. Um, but the, I think the second thing is, um, I think where this really came from is you were seeing queer characters being killed off um, for no good reason. It was almost like they were a token to begin with. So they could just... <laughs> because they, they were. Because they were. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, so who gives a shit if they die? Um, so because I, because I hear you and I'm always really cognizant of this as well. It's like, how much suffering am I putting this queer character through versus a straight one or whatever? Um, but I try to think of, you know, how, why is it happening? Is it propelling the story forward in a necessary way or can I get there a different way? And I don't just mean death. I mean, suffering in general. Um, mm-hmm. Do they have to suffer for this story to move forward? Like originally with, and I, I'm not even ever going to, I don't think I'll ever tell anyone what had originally been intended. Um, and I'm glad I didn't go this route because people have a hard enough time with um, May's story as it is. Much Were you going to make it worse? It was <laughs> way worse. Break. Oh my God. I know. Oh, but it was so bad already. I know. And so see, and I was like, 
and it wasn't until I sat down to write her story, her original story was so fucked up and I didn't even realize how bad it was. So I sat down to write it and I was like, I need to scale this back because I was so in love with her. I was like, I can't do this to her. <laughs> I can't do this to my baby. So I actually scaled it back and like, thank fuck I did. Cause people were like, Jesus Christ. Like they read her story and man, I was not anticipating, um, like, the tears and the rage and the fucking, you should see the comments on Wattpad. They're like, they're funny in so much as like people are just, they don't care. They're like, I am fucking, I will kill this fake character. (laughs) I am so mad. And so um, I think that there maybe is something to be said too, for just acknowledging just how much angst is required to tell this story effectively. See, I always, I always consider it the, the dichotomy or the conflict between the artiste in you and the author in you because authors Ooh. have readers and readers have expectations and society has expectations and you have to be aware of that but the artiste in you says no this is my story i'm gonna tell it the way i want to screw you burn baby burn That's yeah awesome. and sometimes i give in sometimes i'm like okay like i can't i can't write it this way i can't do it this way and other times i think no I'm going to do exactly what I want to do. And sometimes it works. And sometimes the characters that I created and the stuff that I did to them, it really affects people like in a positive way. They're like, thank you so much for writing the character this way. And I'm, then I'm happy I did it. And then there are other times where readers are like, why? I hate him. He's awful. And I'm like, well, in my head, that's how he is. And I'm sorry, but the artiste in me wouldn't let me write him another way. So mm-hmm. I really feel like you have that struggle between you know, what do I want to do personally and what's right to do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think with, and with anything you're doing in writing, if you have that sort of conundrum, like you said, it's important to just stop and look, examine it and ask yourself why you're doing that thing and mm-hmm. whether it's important you do that thing. And, you know, if someone is questioning what you're doing, like you said, just step back and say like this, I did this thing and I need this thing to be in here. Like in the last episode, I mentioned that there were some things that my editor sent me that they were like, well, maybe change this. And I was like, no. Um, so it's important <laughs> to step back and say, um, you know, consider why you're doing a thing and make sure that you have a reason for it. If you are going to have people fight you against it and know that if you do, keep that thing and you go into publishing or whatever and people come at you that you need to have that reason. Um, well, you don't have to, but it's going to help you to have that reason to come back to them and say, this is why I did this thing. That's like, that's real life. Um, like, and that's a brilliant point. This is something I used to, I used to teach, uh, in college and, um, I used to teach social media and I always would get like students coming at me in this one particular, uh, lesson where we were talking about managing your online reputation because surprise what you do on the internet can affect <laughs> you in real life. Um, and so the less, the kind of the final point I would always make and I'd leave them with this is you, what you put, whatever the fuck you want on the internet and, you know, replace internet with book in this case. Um, but make sure that you can back it up. If someone comes at you, if you're going to put this in and you're like, this could be controversial or this could be problematic, maybe, um, you better know that you can stand by what you choose to hit publish on or say yes to, to your publisher. Um, because 
you better have a good reason for it. And you know what? Maybe it isn't a good reason. Maybe you're going to get justifiably torn down, but you want to, you want to make sure you knew why you were doing it in the first place. Like you said, because just saying, Oh, I was trying to be edgy. Like nobody <laughs> gives a fuck. Don't do something just to be edgy. It's 2017. We don't give a shit. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, uh, Never mind. I'm going to go on a tangent and I don't need to. No one needs this. <laughs> but uh, what I'm trying to say is that was a brilliant point, Brianna. And I really liked it. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> no, like I'm loving this conversation because it really makes me think about if you have a character just pop into your head, fully formed. Sometimes you can't just put that on paper. Sometimes you have to unpack that, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, yeah, I agree with that. Damn. That was, that was, I kind of want to talk about the idea of like the fully formed character a little bit. I don't know where I want to go with it, but like, I feel like that's a, that's such an interesting thing because I do, there are like three characters in the history of ever that have magically popped in, like completely fully formed have been like, Hey bitch, I'm here. <laughs> and I- <laughs> is that our thing? Is that like, if we we're having merch, it's going to say, Hey bitch, I'm here. <laughs> but like literally, literally I have this one in my head and um, I guess I have no reason not to use her name. Um, she's gone through a name change due to um, personal situation. Slash she used to be in a story that was co-written with somebody that I no longer speak to. And so her name is Drea now. That's that's her official name. And I've been writing with her for years. She actually started off as a not a role play character from what the side I was talking about last time, but like a um, a tabletop game that I was doing with a group of friends. And she slowly just grew and grew and grew. And the way that I explain my relationship with her, because I literally have a relationship with this character, she talks in my head. Like, it's not like... I don't know. It sounds really weird when I say it, but like if I'm going through like day-to-day shit and I think, oh, what would Drea do in this situation? It's not like I would like I narrate it myself and I'm like, oh, Drea would do this and this and this. She talks in like first person to me and is like, okay, this is how I handle this shit. This is what I'm doing. Like, and I've just always known her and that's also how she talks. So that's why I'm being a little bit more of an asshole. But like, I don't know. She's always been there. And yeah, I don't know. Do, do you guys have anybody like that? Yeah, like big time. I, I mean, like I was saying, this episode, last one, it's all a big blur. But <laughs> it, it might have been this one. Like the characters that you see in Wind have been, I've known them for, like, especially um, like M, Jeremy, and Connor were mm-hmm. like the golden trio, as it were, not to steal from Harry Potter or anything like that. But they were, yeah, um, it was the three of them for, for a very long time. Um and I know them so well, and they mean so much to me. Um, but when I started putting them down on paper, especially Jeremy, um, went in directions I wasn't necessarily expecting. And I was like, what the fuck? What the fuck? Who are you? And so I, I even made to that extent, and, I don't, and she's been around in the grand scheme of things not, not nearly as long. Um, but I have a version of them in my mind that I think that I'm like, you are the true version. But once I sit down and start writing them out, like sometimes I t- like the, the book version of me is a lot softer. She's so, and I guess the canonical version of her is a lot softer and she's a lot um, 
not naive, but she's a little bit more cautious and she's, uh, you know, whatever she is in my mind, she, she's a lot more sassy. Um, she's, she's maybe already gotten to the point of being stronger and braver. I don't know. Uh, she swears in my mind. She doesn't swear in the books. Like, oh, really? and so, yeah, yeah, she's so really, prim and proper and cute. I know. And she's not, she's super adorable, but she's like a little, little bratty in my mind. And you don't see that Ew. in the book. And Jeremy is, everyone hates Jeremy. And it's yep. so weird. Everyone fucking hates it. And now admittedly, he hasn't even been given a chance yet. Like we've just been seeing a really small sliver of him and he hasn't been putting his best foot forward um, <laughs> at all. But the Jeremy I know uh, is much more complicated than he's let on so far. And I don't even know if we're even going to get to do it justice because of the, the angle it's being told from now. And it's weird to me to be like, oh, man, you're you're a very important character to me. And I don't know if anyone's ever going to love you the way that I do because they're never going to get to know you, the you that I know. And that's a weird feeling. <laughs> it's super strange. I, I have a character I like that. Yeah. Yeah, I almost wonder if the characters, if you know them at their, like, where you want them to end up, if that makes sense. Like, rather than, mm-hmm. like, where where they are in your head, if they're exactly where you want them to end up, rather than, like, where they are in the story as you're writing it. Yeah, that makes sense to me. See, I had a struggle between the artiste and the author. I have this one character. I won't say his name because it might ruin it for my readers to have them go no but he's supposed to be like this so there's one character (laughs) and in my head he's a certain way he's I don't know I don't want to give like you know like spoilers or too much info but in my head he's this type of character and I went to start writing the book and I thought that's not gonna work at all oh my god this is like (laughs) the worst personality for this guy he's not gonna mesh with the other characters he won't mesh with the heroine so I had to kind of rewrite him and so the character for the book, I kind of consider him version 2.0. In mm-hmm. my head, he'll always be like the person that I, that popped into my head. But the artiste versus the author had to, the author kind of won in that regard. And although he'll always be in my heart, there is a second version of him on paper. That's so interesting. I had no idea that other people we're going through this, that this was the thing that was maybe more common. And I'm, I feel less alone. That's <laughs> so good. That's an interesting thing for me, Maggie, just from the fangirl side of things. Like, um, even though book may maybe came out as like kind of cute and sweet and innocent, like stalking you on all your social media and stuff. Um, I've definitely seen just from your Twitter thoughts and stuff, the side of May that is like, you know, badass swearing me so. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad there's that I'm glad I'm glad to hear that because it makes me happy to know that people are seeing her, like the full version of her a bit more and I think that's where those one shots really come in handy um and oh yeah <laughs> money one shots oh yeah <laughs> May is a whole different person in those money one shots <laughs> damn girl like the most recent one I was like people might read this and be like where the fuck is this coming from because that is not the May I got to know in the story but like <laughs> that's her that she's she's got that side of her uh, I love her <laughs> so so I think yeah. unless anybody has any last minute comments we are at the hour mark and we should we start are. wrapping it up Good convo, guys. Good yeah, convo. good job. Awesome. Really enlightened. I love yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> I feel a little I less alone. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're here for. We're to, here to give everyone a uh, audio family. 
We get you. Okay, so, yeah, so (laughs) thank you for listening, everyone. Um, And if you have any feedback or questions or topics for discussion, uh, you can contact us in a few different ways. We are on Twitter. Um, Our handle is the WIP pod. Um, So that's the work in progress pod. You can also send us an email talk to WIP at gmail.com. Uh, we'll try to answer as quickly as we can. Um, and you can check out our website, the WIP podcast.com. Um, we're recording this using the anchor.fm app, but we're also going to submit to all the major channels like iTunes, etc. And um, we ask that you please be patient with us. You know, if there's been any inaccuracies, Um, We're writers and we're more than open to constructive criticism. And if anything we've said was problematic, by all means, reach out, you know, let's talk. We all want to become better people. So thank you for listening and we'll be back next week. Woo! Good job. Episode two in the can. (laughs) Woo! Bye, guys. See ya. Bye. Bye. Bye.